Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to a special edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. Uh, I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. As you know, our usual show, sponsored by Smith AI, appears every week, but we now have a special treat for you. We are going to have a series of episodes about a new show that's premiering tonight, actually, on Fox. It's Proven Innocent. It appears at 9 o'clock Eastern and Pacific, 8 Central and Mountain. So... We're going to be talking with some folks with the show about the show process. And also, we're going to, in later episodes, get into some of the issues that the show brings up by talking to people who deal with them in real life. So it's a fun arc about the show Proven Innocent. And with that, I'm going to begin by introducing my co-host, Ellie Mistal. I actually made it in despite the snow. That's how excited I am for this bonus content. Nice. Well, yes, it is snowing here right now, and you've made it, so that's good. What else is going on with you? Well, you know, so here, here's what I'm angry about. You would think that I was going to be angry about the snow today, but actually, it's, it's the simple, simple courtesy that is denied in this country when you're trying to get onto an elevator. All right, I'm coming in from the snow. I got my boots. I got my, you know, my, my snow hat. I'm not happy. In our offices, there's a long walk from the door all the way to the elevator bank. The elevator bank closes really fast. We're on the very top floor. I'm not walking it. The man can see me coming up, you know, down the hallway just behind him, right? But he runs into the elevator, clearly doesn't hold it open, and I actually end up having to get the elevator by, like, jamming my, like, big fat arm to mm. keep it. And I see that he's been holding the door close button. Oh, nice. What is up with this? I, I honestly think that there should be regular, and you know, I'm big liberal. I think there should be regulations to take the door close button out of all elevators. That is ridiculous. Only bad people use them. No. Think about one single time in your life where you've pressed door close and you weren't being a jerk. Uh, I constantly because doors. You're a jerk. No, no, it's not to lock anybody out. It's to get the thing moving, so, which is why the future in which we all have those elevators where you push the floor and it assigns an elevator to you yes, is going to be so much that's, nicer. That's better. Yeah, but I'm sorry that you had trouble with the elevator. Hold the door open for people when Aww. it's snowing, especially. Come on, that's a, that's a shame. We have to live in society. Fair enough. Well, so let's get back to talking about the subject for the day. So. The new show, Proven Innocent, it appears on Fox starting February 15th, which is the day that you're hearing this, at 9, 8 Central. And today, we're going to talk with folks behind the show. So we have Danny Strong, who is the producer of the show. Uh, you may have know of him from a million other projects, from co-creator of Empire to, if you're a person of a certain age like I am, uh, remembering him from Buffy as Jonathan. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hey. Well, so Proven Innocent uh, comes out tonight. We have already seen the episodes. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was, before we get too far in, one of the things that's always an issue with uh, lawyers like us is sometimes, we'll put out there, it can get frustrating to watch courtrooms because we're like, that's not how you do it in real life. But then again, courtrooms are boring in real life. And so one of the questions I had was, in putting together a show like this, how how do you balance that? Like the the authenticity that you want to grasp with the fact that 
people would, you know, stab their eyes out if they had to watch an actual trial. Yeah, well, I mean, you're doing an entire case that normally would go anywhere from, I don't know, two to nine years in 43 minutes. And it's not even really 43 minutes because we got some personal storylines. We got a season-long murder mystery arc that we do on our show. So our Mm -hmm. legal case is about 25 minutes you know, taking nine years and condensing that to 25 minutes. And I just think it's a, an accepted trope in the yeah. TV legal drama that you're cutting corners. You know, they've been doing these for about 50, 60 years, and people love them. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a matter of getting the big stuff right and yeah. having it feel authentic, even when you can't cross every T and dot every I. Because you've got to make it entertaining, or right. people aren't going to want to watch the show. But it can't feel completely absurd or ridiculous. So you're just trying to, like I said, do right by the macro. Proven Innocent is about really the Innocence Project. It's about you have a character who is a crusader trying to free innocent people. There are real crusaders out there trying to free the wrongly convicted. I happen to think um, that the Innocence Project is just one of the most important aspects of legal work that is happening in the country right now. How did you get attracted to the subject matter? How did you become aware of the Innocence Project? Like, what's your kind of personal arc into into getting involved or getting interested in this topic? Yeah, I mean, I've known about the Innocence Project for for many, many years. Uh, I completely agree with you. I think the work that they do is absolutely incredible. Anyone who's in prison for a crime they did not commit is suffering a profound injustice. Uh, and it's an incredible tragedy. And the fact that uh, there's uh, law firms, and it's not just the Innocence Project, there are different, you know, wrongful conviction law firms around the country. And I think the work they do is, is truly heroic. How it came to me was the, the creator of the show, David Elliott, he uh, came uh, to me and he said, I want to do a show about the Innocence Project, some sort of fictional Innocence Project show. And uh, a week earlier, I had just seen the Netflix documentary on Amanda Knox. Yeah. And I was enraged watching that documentary. I didn't know a ton about the case. I always kind of assumed she was innocent, but I didn't really know the details. And watching the details, uh, they're maddening because she was so railroaded. Uh, and she was so clearly innocent. I, I was actually screaming at my TV at certain <laughs> points. Uh, and at one point I had to pause it so I could yell and then not miss out on anything. So then a week later, this terrific writer says, let's do a show about wrongful conviction. And I just said, yes, <laughs> you know, I, I was, I was so still wound up about the documentary. And, uh, and I said, well, let's make the lead character, someone who was just wrongfully convicted herself and got out of prison and became a wrongful conviction attorney. And David, who had been doing research on uh, the innocence project said that that's actually not uncommon that often people that are able to get out, they have to become their own advocates in prison and then continue that work once they get out of prison. Our lawyer audience will appreciate the the main character. After she gets out, she goes to Yale Law School, which is a nice gig if you can get it. Um, (laughs) I've interviewed uh, John Grisham, who likes to put his characters in Princeton Law School, um, which doesn't exist. So I I, I gave the show 10 points for at least getting the law school right. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we got that right. I'm surprised you gave 10 points because Ellie went to Harvard, so I assumed he would dock one point for that. But (laughs) uh, no, one of the things about this show that I... I really liked was that 
when you say doing a show about the Innocence Project, one thing looking out the grand arc of lawyer shows that we've gotten away from, the wrongfully accused Perry Mason style has gone very much out of fashion. And we've been in a a couple of decades worth of legal TV being nothing but prosecutors putting people in jail, and those are your heroes. Uh, And so I think this is an interesting angle to kind of break with what's become a tradition on legal television and say, well, wait a minute, what if the prosecutor's not the good guy? Yeah, you know, what's interesting about this show is that exactly what you just said, we just flipped the legal show sort of on its head, and I didn't really think of it in those terms when we were developing it. And when we started screening the show for people, once we, you know, cut it together, it really was, I don't want to say radical because that's, you know, far too grand a word, but it it definitely felt very fresh and original to them. Just this idea of someone's in prison, they shouldn't be there, and our lawyers have to get them out, as opposed to someone committed a crime and we want to put them in prison. That simple twist on the genre feels like uh, a very big (laughs) rethink of of the the legal drama, you know, in the exact way you just said. But that really wasn't what we were thinking when we were developing it. Um, We were just excited about shining a light on these issues and doing a show that was embedded in social justice slash social injustice. That was my goal all along. I try and do it with everything I work on. I wanted to have I, everything I work on as a writer, director, producer, you know, that it has a social justice angle to it. And this was a bullseye for that. Are you afraid about getting into the politics of it all? So a lot of legal dramas, you know, they actually they stay quite far away from the politics of it. Although, as Joe points out correctly, it's it's all about that that law and order, get the bad guy, protect the people kind of thing. In your show, you almost have to deal with some of the politics of it of it all. Um, you know, the bad guy, if we can call him that, Kelsey Grammer, he's running for office. You know, how are you thinking about how do you think through kind of uh, navigating the political landscape when you're trying to tell this uh, social justice story? Well, the politics are part of the social justice story. So we're not afraid of the politics at all. And as you said, the Kelsey Grammer's character, he's running for attorney general through the course of the entire season. So politics are going to be intersecting throughout the whole season. And it's part of it's actually a a storyline in the show. So no, we'll, we'll be in fact leaning into it all and politics ties into, you know, rulings and laws about these issues. I mean, it just comes into play. It just, it can't, it can't help itself. We have one issue in which a Muslim woman uh, was given 25 years for after she miscarried her baby, she left the fetus in a dumpster. And we have a very conservative judge in that episode. And the whole episode is just riddled with with politics. Yeah, that episode you're talking about is the second one they gave us to to screen. And I I noted that um, you guys made the I think bold choice of playing the judge as a kind of political figure, which a lot of legal dramas don't. You really I thought did a great job of showing how the judge's kind of personal. Um, religious, but also kind of political beliefs were really playing into, again, what should have been the the justice question of did this woman commit a crime or not? Yeah. I mean, as you both know, that it comes into play all the time. Um, we have a whole death penalty case that ends up being a two episode 
death penalty case. And, you know, that issue is riddled with politics. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, they shouldn't be. <laughs> they should these should just be pure legal matters. But nonetheless, uh, we're trying to portray uh, the reality of what our lawyers have to go through in order to try to get these people um, out of prison. Yeah, as a personal level, I was a criminal defense lawyer before this. And while I think it's great to see judges not portrayed as these completely unbiased referees, because they do make calls, uh, one thing that I really do like is the idea that the prosecutor actually holds most of the cards in these sorts of cases. The prosecutor can do so much that we... Like the most Americans think are the province of judges and juries, the prosecutor gets to short circuit so often. And the way in which we now are turning the legal drama on its heads, as we were talking about, is useful because I think people need to understand that the prosecutor is way more powerful and way less a uh, golly shucks, I'm just trying to do my job sort of character because they've got everything going for them. And, uh, with their politics can often uh, be the difference for people, which the way I would turn this into a question, one thing that comes up in, in the shows, not to get into things that actually happen in the shows, but there are situations where we talk about plea deals, obviously, because that's something that prosecutors can control. And you get this situation where people feel compelled by the way in which they're being held against their will or with worse charges being dangled over them, people feel compelled to agree to things that they may not have actually done, may not believe that they were guilty of, that they do because they, they're scared. Uh, and I think the show, by tackling some of that, is very valuable because I don't think people get how powerful the plea process can be in getting people to uh, confess to things that they didn't really do. Uh, and most Americans think, oh, they they agree. They said they did this, and that's not always the case. Yeah, well, you'll, you'll, this issue comes up time and time again on our TV show. Yeah. And we even say in the pilot, you know, we try to throw some statistics around here or there uh, when it's relevant to the scene, but it's also neat mm-hmm. to get that information out. In uh, the 2000 cases in which people were exonerated by DNA evidence, 500 of them falsely confessed. That's 25% of people exonerated by DNA evidence falsely confess. Uh, it's yeah. a staggering figure. Uh, and there are so many reasons behind why they would make these confessions. And it's usually disproportionately affects poor people that can't afford the types of lawyers that would prevent <laughs> these false confessions from, from taking place. And, and on you... top of, well, I just wanted to say, on top of just not even being able to afford lawyers, I've dealt with clients where they can't afford to not be able to get out to take care of their kids or do their job. Like they're, they're not in a position to, to wait in a prison for a few days. And so they, mm-hmm. they're compelled by the social pressures too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very tragic. Or, or they're held, you know, they're, they just keep talking and they're not, you know, <laughs> yeah. told they can ask for an attorney. And, and uh, there's certainly uh, police misconduct can also occur. Although the show is not, I wouldn't say that our show is anti-police or anti-prosecutor. I mean, we have all sorts of cases where we see these issues aren't from, you know, the wrongful convictions don't arise from police misconduct. They don't arise from, you know, prosecutorial misconduct. We also want to show that our prosecutor, you know, Kelsey Grammer's character, Gord Bellows, 
we want to get in his head and to see his pressure and his what you know why he's making his decisions as opposed to some mustache twirling nefarious yeah. uh, villain. He is very uh, on our show. He's very passionate about justice and uh, thinks he's doing the right thing by it most of the time. You know, we may have to cut corners here or there. Yeah, maybe bad guy's the wrong word. Maybe antagonist is of the show is the right word. Yeah, he's, that that that's that that's accurate. You know, he's definitely, and that was one of the things Kelsey Grammer was attracted to the show was the fact that a he just really liked it. He thought it was a really cool show, but he thought this character could be much more could be a really multi dimensional character for being the antagonist of you know the hero of the show. I was going to ask more of a of a television question. Like, how do you how do you think about keeping this kind of stuff uh, entertaining? One of the things about when you read through some of the people who have been freed, some of the fights that the Innocence Project is still um, ongoing, they're horrible stories, right? I mean, like, yeah. they're, they're stories that make you cry. It's not it's not something that you would kind of. I feel like this. I read some of this stuff because of my job. When I'm using my free entertainment time, like, you know, I just want to go shoot some zombies. I don't want to, like, remember <laughs> how Tyler got railroaded, right? So how do you, knowing that this is primetime television, how do you think about keeping the stories kind of, I don't even know what the right word is, like, lights enough that people can, can like, watch the show, enjoy it, and not go home and cry for three hours? Yeah. Well, that is a terrific question. And I think that that question is the reason why this show hasn't been done before. Because it feels so obvious, right? Mm -hmm. How has there not been a big wrongful conviction show that's been on the air for a decade? And I think it is the challenge of of making it uh, entertaining, because when you research these cases, they're all so depressing, like you said, and they're, they're really demoralizing and people that have been locked away for 25 years, 30 years of their lives for for reasons that are just so grossly unfair. And that's, you know, the short answer is, well, that's our job, right? Is that if we can't make it entertaining, it's not going to even get on the air. It's not even going to make it through the process that gets on the air. Now, the longer answer to your question is, I think primarily our approach has been by approaching these cases as cold cases. So someone's in jail. Hmm. And it's very tragic. We know they shouldn't be there. We meet them very early in the episode. We find out what happened. Or we find out one side of the story. And then the rest of the episode plays out as a pretty exciting, well, what really happened? Who done it? How do we get them out of jail? Because it's not just a legal procedural, but it's also an investigative show. And because the stakes are so high, uh, someone is... <laughs> you know, we desperately want this person to get out of prison. It makes the show more dramatic and more compelling um, in a way that uh, people seem to be really enjoying. Um, so that's kind of the basic approach. You know, we also have this season-long murder mystery arc, which is who did kill Rosemary Lynch? And now Rosemary Lynch was the girl that was murdered that put our protagonist in jail for 10 years. So it's playing is also an exciting who killed Laura Palmer type season long arc. So between the sort of mystery of the weekly case and the mystery of the season long arc, and hopefully some fun soapy moments and uh, with our characters personalized. And we try to infuse some wit into it. The show turns out to be a pretty exciting, pretty cool ride. And I found that the, you know, the resolution 
you know, most of these people, it's a TV show on a network, right? Right? They're mostly going to be get out of yeah. prison each week, not everyone. But even though you know that, yes, most likely they're going to get out, it's a great ride to see how our lawyers get them out. And then I have to say, it's so emotional uh, when they do. It's, it's, um, we did a screening in Atlanta, and in the pilot, the audience broke out into applause towards the end of the court scene uh, <laughs> in, the, in the last act in a really spontaneous, dynamic way. Um, and we just thought, oh, wow, this is cool. People care. They're, they're, they're drawn into these stories. So, so I think we're delivering a really high-level piece of entertainment while simultaneously shining a light on the issues and in a way where when the episode ends, you don't want to go cry in the corner. You know, you're, you're actually pretty hopefully invigorated about what occurred. Yeah, you definitely did a lot of research because a lot of the a lot of the tricks kind of not I shouldn't say tricks, but a lot of the, the, the concepts that are used by these attorneys to get people off are concepts that are being used right now all over the country in these sorts of cases. So it's interesting to put that out there because I think they're concepts that, you know, back to the turning it on its head thing, that for many years people say, oh, they got off on a technicality. And you spend a lot of time going like, well, this technicality you speak of, here's what it means in real life. Here's here's actually how, you know, any number of science or translation or whatever, how, how these things can have real impacts that can hurt people. I mean, that's basically the procedural quality of the show. I mean, that's the work of our lawyers that we're going to do week in and week out. And we've got a number of lawyers on our writing staff. We have a legal consultant who's a wrongful conviction attorney that we give our scripts to. And we also have two full-time researchers that we're constantly asking questions of. So it sort of goes back to your original question about how do you make it feel real when it's, uh, these cases go on over many, many years. And we try to get, you know, we try to get the twists and turns and the legal minutiae. We try to get that right. And by doing that, that's sort of the exciting part of the show is seeing how our smart lawyers are able to undo uh, this injustice with uh, the legal work that one actually has to do to do it. You know, another element that made me really um, feel like we could have a successful show here was when uh, David Elliott told me, and he, he's the creator of the show, he said that, um, you know, these are these cases, the police, they don't want anything to do with them because they've already right, yeah. found the criminal and that criminal is in jail. So there's no interest for the police to do any type of work to get these people out. Now, of course, that's not in every scenario. I'm sure there's been situations in which a, a compassionate cop or investigator, you know, came on board to help. But, but as a whole, our lawyers, they're the ones that have to go figure out, find out, pound the pavement to discover what really happened. And at times, and this is all based on, you know, interviews with real, real wrongful conviction attorneys, at times that takes them into dangerous scenarios in dangerous neighborhoods and literally, you know, pounding the pavement in neighborhoods where crimes have been committed and knocking on doors. So that element of it I think is another element of, of why I thought this could be a successful TV show, because our lawyers are, they're not just lawyers, they're also private investigators. Yeah. 
Are you worried at all about kind of a CSI effect? So for people who don't know, the CSI effect is basically that everybody started watching CSI. And now when you have a jury, a real life jury with a real case, they expect you to bring David Caruso out there with the evidence, right? With the antidote, with the actual DNA. Oh, we've we brought bones in and we saw that right when actual cases rarely have such hard, clear cut evidence. Are you worried in your show about that issue as well, where, you know, the suggestion could be that the people who are innocent and, and wrongly convicted, it's so obvious to everybody, but Kelsey Grammer. Are you worried about kind of creating the impression that these cases are um, slam dunks when really they, they are very close issues that turn on, as Joe put it, sometimes really small technicalities? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought about the CSI effect um, for our show. I mean, my my gut is that if the show is successful enough to have any kind of effect, which would be amazing if it did, it would have the effect <laughs> of making people more compassionate towards individuals that have been wrongly convicted. Uh, I think right now there is a bias against people that have been convicted. Uh, well, if you've been convicted, you obviously did it or you did something wrong. And I think if people are watching our show, it'll give them a new understanding of how people that have been convicted, in fact, didn't do it at all. And my my gut and hope would be that would make them you know, more compassionate and more open minded towards these cases if they were to get uh, jury trials. And sometimes they get jury trials and sometimes they don't. Right. And yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I get back to the plea. They, they, they got yeah. kind of railroaded before they ever needed to. But yeah, if it has the effect of making our average juror be a little bit skeptical and actually do the job of caring about reasonable doubt, uh, that would be a great thing. Yeah. I would say if it has the effect of getting the media even to just a little bit stop acting like technicalities aren't important. Stop, you know, in the first episode. Don't act like suppressing the exonerating evidence um, isn't important. That's usually important. Yes, it's a technicality. We have, but we it's have exonerating Supre evidence. We have Supreme Court cases about it and everything. So, so yeah, yeah, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> it's a technicality that is everything, you know? Yeah. It literally puts someone away for something they didn't do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for talking to us today. For those of you listening, you should watch the series premiere of Proven Innocent at 9, 8 central on Fox, February 15th, which is the day that you're listening to this. It's not the day we're recording it. That's why I'm that's why I just had that little awkward moment where I had to say the date out loud. But time you all, yeah, you all get the you all get the point of the time travel that we're doing here. But thanks, Danny, for joining us. Thank you to all of the listeners. Thanks to Fox for allowing us to have this special arc of shows that explore the issues brought up by Proven Innocent. And obviously, you should listen to the podcast, rate it, review it, all the things I say at the end of the smith ai episodes that we do weekly and we will have another one of those coming up soon and with that i think i will say see everybody later peace if you'd like more information about what you've heard today please visit legaltalknetwork.com you can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, atlredline.com itunes rss twitter and facebook the views expressed by the participants of this program are their own 
and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.